Good morning. Welcome to First EC. Morning has indeed broken, and it's another, another opportunity for us to get together and to, to worship the Lord. I love the trend. I, I, each week I'm seeing a new set of, of familiar faces, new faces that, that are coming back, and so I'm, I'm excited to, to just, again, welcome everyone here this morning and uh, taking the opportunity to, to worship our Lord. Going through a couple of announcements, I'm just going to summarize because you've got the bulletins, you've got the slides, but I just want to make sure that you are aware of things that are going on. You know that the, the sub sale is still going. Next week is the, is the deadline for that, so bring your orders, bring your money. We have, uh, we have rescheduled Coffee Shop Theology. We are meeting on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. now. Um, we also uh, want to let you know that the softball team will be playing tomorrow night at the Community Bible Field, our home field. Be there at 6.30 for the game. Uh, we also need help, as you see, for, for the LCCM free meal uh, coming up on Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, August 31st coming up. So any other, any other announcements, anything else for the good of the order that we need to know? Well, then let's just take a moment to prepare ourselves for worship. Let's pray. Good morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that it's beautiful because we have an opportunity to come together as a family and worship you. We know each morning when we wake up, we recognize the day as a gift from you, but, and we get to enjoy it individually. But we come together this day so that as a group, we can lift each other up and we can lift up our praises to you. Father, I pray that everything that we do here this morning would be to your honor and to your glory, and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and let's, let's lift our, our praises to the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And each and every week, it's a different lineup up here, but, but we make it work. One day they nailed 
Stretched out on a tree, took the nails from me. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's come. Sometimes we appreciate when we get a request for a song. Sometimes. In this case, we appreciated it. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Let's try. 
try that again.
how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Amen. You can be seated. We'll take time now to, to offer up um, praises and also to lift up prayer requests. I wanted to share, I got a call last night from uh, Ray Berger. He and Georgine and the extended family have COVID. They were down at the shore last week as a family and it sounded like the little one got it and then everybody got it. So... They're all dealing with COVID. And with Georgine having her asthma problems, it's created some issues for her that uh, he took her to the doctor. They did a breathing treatment, but she's home recovering with, with the rest of them. So we want to make sure we pray for Ray and Georgine and the family. Any other prayer requests or praises? So I have a praise. Uh, my father turned 90 years old this week, and uh, my prayer concern is uh, for my brother. He broke his arm and he fell, and uh, yeah, he's having a real rough time. So if you could keep him in your prayers, his okay. name is James. James, okay. I'll tell your father we said happy birthday. <laughs> Any other prayer requests, praises? Oh, we've got some over here. Okay, we'll go, with, we'll go with Judy first. This young lady sitting next to me celebrated her 12th birthday. Okay, well, happy on birthday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in the habit of singing happy birthday for... Uh... No, okay, well, happy birthday. I'll sing it for you when, we leave, when you leave. <laughs> what a treat, huh? <laughs> we had somebody over here. I like to uh, pray for Ron. He has depression really bad. Thank you. Okay. And then I think I thought I saw someone else with it. Yeah, Sam. Um, I'd like to uh, say that a couple weeks ago I had a bout with COVID, <laughs> and uh, I responded favorably, so I'm over it. And like any good husband, I shared it with my wife. <laughs> so last week she had a bout with us, but she's coming along good. Okay, so great. So we're on the mend. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Amy. Uh, just a prayer, please, for the people in Kentucky. Um, over the past couple of years, we went down and served in some of the missions down in eastern Kentucky, and the counties that we served in uh, were both hit very, very hard. And, um, like, for those that were there, we know the people that were there don't have a lot, and a lot of them lost everything that they did have. Um, so, luckily, the missions are still up and running, although they were without power, internet, phone for a while. But the missions themselves are not damaged, but the people they serve are just in a really tough place right now. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go to the Lord then.
Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with some things that are heavy on our hearts. As you know, there are many, um, just in the month that we've been here, we've been a part of the, the COVID cycle, and we just pray for, um, for those who are dealing with it now. We, we thank you for your healing touch, for those who are recovering from it, uh, but we, we pray especially for Ray and Georgine right now as they're, as they're dealing with it. We thank you that, that Sam and his family are, are working their way through it. We pray that, um, that Marlene um, continue to, to heal from, from COVID with your, with your help as well. Father, we lift up James. As he also needs your healing touch. He's broken his arm with, with a fall, and we just ask that you'll lead the doctors, lead all those who are attending to him to, to help him heal properly so that he could get back to the, to the use of that arm. We thank you for we thank you for life. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate life each year, and we thank you for the twelfth birthday of of Anive. And uh, we just uh, we just praise your praise your name and thank you that you're watching over her and continue to continue to guide her and and help her to grow. We pray for Ron as he's dealing with depression. Father, I I pray that. You'll touch him with your peace and your and your calm, and and the Father he will find he will find joy in in knowing you. And Father, I pray that you'll allow um, allow us to help and to be supporters of him, and allow him to know that he can he can come to any of us and and talk with us, and that he, that we are we are here for him because we know that you're you're here for him as well. Father, we want to pray for those that we can't um, can't help immediately, but we can we can find ways to help. But with the flooding down in Kentucky, we just we know that you're watching over them. We thank you that the missions uh, have their their ability to to assist, and we pray that that help will get out to the people that need it, that hope will get out to the people who need it, and that uh, your love will be shown through through missions and just through through people who know you and, and know how to express your love through, through just the gift of being with people and, and helping and serving. Father, we just thank you that you love us. We thank you that you provide for us. And so at this point, too, I want to thank you for, for everything that you give us. Father, we recognize that everything we have comes from you, and so we do give a, a portion back to you each week. And I, I do pray that that we will see our offering as an act of worship. It's, it's so easy right now just to drop a, an envelope into a, a plate, but it is still an act of worship. We're giving back to you, Lord, and, and we're, we're thanking you, and, and I'm thanking you at this moment for, for everything that you've given us. I just want to pray that you'll, you'll bless these, these offerings that we're, that we're giving up and ask you to bless them and to use them to further your kingdom and to further your church. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite you to stand as we sing our, our hymn, hymn number two.
Well, today we'll continue our series on American idols. Uh, we know that the point of the TV show that we're talking about was to become an American idol, or is to become an American idol, to become an idol to Americans as if we need help with that. And we know that as an American idol, the winner of the show would be somebody that we would want to spend our money on, right? We want to buy their t-shirts, we want to buy their songs, we want to buy their, their posters. But God provides everything that we need, so why wouldn't we want to spend our money on him? As an American Idol, the winner of the show would be someone that we would look to for direction, right? Look to them for direction on clothing or hairstyles. We'll know what's trendy. But God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, so why wouldn't we look to him for direction? As an American Idol, the winner of the show would be somebody that we will offer up praises to. Oh, I just love Kelly Clarkson. She's the best singer ever. Well, Kelly Clarkson's good, but why aren't we saying, I just love God. He's the best everything ever. You see, the problem with idols, all idols, not just the, the ones from the show, the problem with idols is that they take our focus away from God. It's an age-old problem, losing our focus on the Lord and looking to all the wrong things for security and for happiness. Today we're going to recognize one of those distractions, one of those idols. It's consumerism or materialism, the desire to acquire. I chose Madonna's song as our title. If, you rem if anybody remembers her song, I Am a Material Girl. It's all about having things, right? I also looked for some other songs, and I gave you some, some homework. We won't take a lot of time, but did anybody else think of a song that goes along with this, this materialism idea? Okay, well, I've got, I've got one from back, back in the day, Janis Joplin. If you remember, she had one, Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? <laughs> right? Well, and then there's a classic, The Bicycle Built for Two. If you remember that song, Daisy gets a proposal, right? But then there's a confession, right? He, he tells her, It won't be a stylish marriage. I can't afford a carriage. But you'll look sweet. Upon the seat of a bicycle built for two. Did you ever hear Daisy's response to that? Well, there's a verse that goes, Harry, Harry, here is your answer true. You're half crazy if you think a bike will do. If you can't afford a carriage, there won't be any marriage. Because I'll be switched if I'll be hitched on a bicycle built for two. So whether it's Daisy Bell and her carriage or Madonna in her material world, we get the point. As Americans, it's all about stuff. It's all about having lots of stuff. It's all about having good stuff. So to keep up with the Joneses, we have a lot of stuff and we have too much stuff. How many times do you drive somewhere that you haven't been for a while and you see a whole set of storage units now in that field that used to be farmland, or storage units going up everywhere, right? There's a bumper sticker that seems to reflect this new American dream. He who dies with the most toys wins. We believe that having stuff is going to make us happy. The more stuff we have, the happier we'll be. At least that's what the commercials are telling us, right? TV advertisements aren't just selling us the products, they're selling us happiness. 
If you have the right car, the right shampoo, the right chewing gum, the right bathroom fixtures, you'll be as happy as that gorgeous model in the TV ad. Think about it. Have you ever seen anyone enjoy sweeping as a person using that Swiffer? Vicky is pleasant when she cleans, but she doesn't dance and twirl around like that lady does. <laughs> They're not just trying to sell you the Swiffer. They're selling you the joy that comes with owning and using one of those Swiffers. You know that you just got to have one. We just want more stuff. But having more stuff will not make us happier. But we've bought into that idol's theology. And Jesus warns us about this bad theology. In Luke 12, 15, he says, watch out. I mean, he doesn't just, how many times do we think about Jesus being that calm person who's just walking along and he speaks so softly? No, here's a place where he's letting them know, watch out, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions, he says. And he followed it up with a parable. The parable of the rich fool. In Luke, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Put it in today's terms. Okay, I've got my basement full, my attic is filled with boxes, I've got two storage units, but I still have more stuff. What am I going to do? And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. For us, I'll just go rent another storage unit. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And then a little bit later on, he actually tells his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom He's saying, don't worry about storage units, don't worry about barns, don't worry about how much you have. You've got the kingdom. You have it all. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And then he gives them the the kicker. This is the punchline. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. You spend the money on those storage units because you've got to keep those boxes of very valuable things, right? You keep things away in the, in the basement. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I'm preaching to myself. Boxes that we've moved four or five different times because you've got to keep them. You know, you might, never know when you might want that stuff. It's very valuable, right? And God kind of, Jesus gives them the, the proper perspective here. Life isn't about having lots of stuff. This idea of materialism, it also convinces us that having more stuff will make us more important. For some reason, we equate net worth 
with self-worth. We think that people who own more than we do are more important than we are. I mean, why else would we try to keep up with them? I found a quote that puts this into perspective. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Let me read it again. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Well, we want to impress them because we think that they have some kind of a value. You know, they're worth the trouble of impressing. And and it's proven by its corollary, the opposite. We believe that people who don't own much don't count for much. Don't believe me? Think about this. Let's imagine you're walking down the street, you're looking for a particular building, you don't know exactly where it is, and you know it's around the corner somewhere, or you think it is, and you turn the corner and you don't see it. You realize you're lost. But you see a beggar and you see a banker. Which one are you going to ask for directions from? And you don't have to answer because I think I know the answer. Which one has more credibility in your mind at that moment? This idol of materialism convinces us of one more bad thing, too. That having more stuff will make us more secure. That's why people buy more stuff, and especially stocks and bonds, gold, real estate. Boy, if you put your security in stocks at the beginning of this year, you're sweating it right now. But Proverbs 18.11 tells us, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Back in those days, if you build a city, you better make sure you put a wall around it as well, or else somebody would just come right in, take it over. And the higher the wall, the more secure the city was. And a city with a wall that was too high to scale then was a totally secure city. And you weren't able to overtake it. So the rich person thinks that the more wealth they have, the higher their wall of security is. And the rich person thinks is as secure as that city with an impenetrable wall. But that's wrong. Let's look at what Solomon has to say about riches. I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes. I know this is the, the book that people think about and they sing the song, you know, it's for everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. But there's extra, there's other stuff that Solomon talks about here. And he talks about, he's got a section that is actually, the caption in it is titled, Riches Are Meaningless. He spends time talking about riches. And I'm starting in verse 10, reading from from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that, they, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, 
so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. Now I want you to think about someone in, your, in, in one of your circles. And then maybe it's even just you, but somebody that you know of, a neighbor or somebody you work with, or as I said, it might be someone in your family, it might even be yourself. And I want you to think about this Again, I'm going to read it again, but I want you to think about it in today's terms as well. Whoever loves money never has enough. Do you know somebody that, that just seems to never, never be satisfied with, with how much money they have? A lover of money. And I think, think about how it's easy to fall into that category. I, as I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm wondering whether I fall into that category. Just because I, I enjoy the, the, the method, the process, and so forth. I mentioned the, the stock market. It's something that they, they claim that if you study it hard enough, you can see cycles. And if somebody tells me that there's a method or a process, I'm, I'm going to try to learn it. I'm going to try to win it. You know, I'm going to try to beat it, that type of thing. And so the idea of, of being able to to make more money. If you've got 10 bucks and you find an easy way to walk over to Turkey Hill and put those 10 bucks on lottery tickets and win 50 bucks, that tells you that the next time I'm going to put 50 bucks in and, and maybe I'll win 100 bucks. Well, you might get lucky a time or two, but your luck's going to run out eventually. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, as we keep buying stuff and have stuff sitting around, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? How many of us have collections, have things that we buy and we set up on the shelves? We have paintings on the walls or we have prints. Maybe we don't have the, the actual painting, but we have a print. We have prints on the wall and we have so many things that, that we feast our eyes on. And that's the only benefit they have to us. You know, it, it kind of makes me think about how, how many things did our grandparents, or even the stuff that we have sitting around now, and it's very valuable to us. At some point, we're going to get old, and our children are going to make decisions about what happens to those David Winters cottages or those Thomas Kincaid paintings or... And maybe they're not as valuable to them as they were to you. They're going to end up in a box, and they're going to be at an estate auction somewhere. And maybe it'll be two generations. Maybe the, parent, the children will like them, but by the time they get to the grandchildren, they're, they're going to wonder why you had so many of those little trinkets, those dust collectors and so forth. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Good hard worker goes, does his job during the day, comes home tired, has no concerns, knows he's got a job tomorrow, he's going to go back tomorrow. But the person who's rich and has to worry about how the stock market fell, point and a half yesterday, I just lost whatever hundreds of dollars and I hope it's going to recover. And overnight, he's not thinking, he's not sleeping, he's thinking about the decisions he's got to make tomorrow. I've got to make sure I get in there and, and get in there at the opening bell of the stock market or I've got to go buy some whatever. I don't, you just, it's this stuff that's worrying a person that's 
focusing so much on, on their riches. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Same thing. you got a couple tens of thousands of dollars, and you decide that, well, I can make, based on what I've seen the last two years, I can make 23% if I put this money in this mutual fund. Or maybe you don't have that much, and like I said, you go over to Turkey Hill, you grab a couple lottery tickets. Everything you've got just went down the drain. Nothing to pass along as an inheritance. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. When you were born, you had nothing in your hand, nothing on your back. You were totally dependent, right? Totally dependent on your parents. Live your life the same way, totally dependent on God. As everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. All right, so we can paraphrase this like this. The more material wealth you have, the more harm you're exposed to. The more you have, the more you have to lose. The more you have, the more it takes to maintain it. And the more you have, the more you have to pay to insure it. And you're not taking any of it with you when you die. You'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Riches are meaningless. Job. Job was a wealthy man. He lost everything. But his response was a little bit more spiritual than Solomon's. He said this, If I have put my trust in gold, or if I have said to pure gold, You are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, over the fortune my hands had gained, then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Crush the idol of consumerism before it consumes you. And thank God for what you own and don't let it own you. I once had somebody, someone ask about our church, and more specifically they were asking about our denomination and, and even as part of their question, they said, are you like Baptists? And I said, no. I kind of knee-jerk reaction, no. But then I, you know, I got to thinking, well, no, just, just hold on a second. I mean, denominations, I think we're 90% we agree on. It's that 10% or maybe even 5% that we disagree that causes the divisions. But the point is, no, you know, um, we're not exactly the same, but but in our conversation, I described how we in the EC denomination have about 120, 125 churches in America. And I think we have just as many total in Japan, Nepal, Liberia, and Mexico. I hope you're aware of all the, all the different churches that we have in these other countries. But the difference is that our congregations in America are shrinking. They're closing their doors. It seems like every time we go to national conference, there's at least one church that is, that's dissolving, that's closing their doors. While the churches in those other countries are thriving, they're growing. And what causes that difference? Well, in America, we suffer from, from a disease. And it's not COVID, and it's not influenza, and you won't find this in the dictionary. We, we, we suffer from affluenza, Right? 
We are too affluent, and we got, we've got stuff, and we just want more stuff. The desire to acquire. We have so much stuff to begin with, and we're always looking for more. In those other countries, especially Liberia and Nepal, they just don't have much of anything. We talked about Kentucky. They don't have much of anything, and yet they know they have everything. They have everything they need in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a current commercial that I think perfectly summarizes our problem. The credit card commercial that asks, what's in your wallet? Well, when you worry about what's in my wallet, (laughs) well, no, worry about what's in your wallet. When you worry about what's in your wallet, you're looking down. You're distracted. You're looking away from God, right? So let's turn our eyes to heaven. Let's turn our eyes to God And instead of worrying about what's in our wallet, let's worry about what's in our heart. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find in it, even when it hurts. Father, we know that that we're okay with stuff. We just have to be careful not to let it consume us. Father, I pray that you'll allow us to to take a look at what we have, thank you for what we have, and find ways to use what we have to your glory. Father, we pray that you will use us to help those who don't have what they need to be able to have more. Work on our hearts, Lord. Help us in this area. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll ask you to stand as we sing our final hymn, hymn number 
And as our benediction, I want to pray the, the prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.